As we've stepped out of religion to begin to pursue the mysteries and the secrets of Yahweh, one thing that has been glaringly absent in my own view as we've done conferences all around the world is the lack of attendance by the youth. The youth are our future. Where are they? The Nest has put together a new school called Remnant Rising specifically targeting the future generations. It's going to be run by Rick Nevenhays and Elijah Ward and they are excited to have your, your youth on this journey discovering who they are as sons of Yahweh. Their heart's desire is to inspire and encourage you to step into the fullness of who you are as a son, searching out Yahweh's mysteries and releasing His kingdom into all creation. They will be teaching on identity, being positioned as sons, governing as sons, walking with the beings of faith and purity, walking in dominion, and a whole lot more. There'll be two sessions every week, every Tuesday and Friday, and they're approximately 45 minutes to an hour long each. I don't know about you, but for me, I want for my children, I want my ceiling to be their floor. I want them to go places that I have never been able to go before, but I want them to be a springboarding off of me and off of this knowledge. Give your children this advantage today by signing them up for this particular school where they will learn how to engage those mysteries and those secrets and come out of the religious system. For more information, go to www.thefoundationnest.com, click the Remnant Rising tab. Classes start in September 2020. Welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney, sharing an insight of the day. Do you ever stop and wonder what is the connection between the natural realm and the spiritual realm? For instance, if the natural realm is a copy or an antitype of what's in the spirit realm, what is it actually teaching us? If we can understand what is going on in the natural realm, we get a deeper understanding of a spiritual concept or truth. When I talk about this correlation, I'll give you some examples. When Moses was told, build a tabernacle, use these skins, use these colors, use this wood, overlay the wood with gold, set this up on this side, set this up in the east, have the door over here. He, you know, Moses as the architect wasn't just left to his own devices. When God said, build me a tabernacle, he was given exact instructions. Why? Because the temple here on earth had to be an exact replica, a shadow of what was in the spirit realm because they're connected, the two arc, to form a doorway of access. Different things as well, like we have different seasons in the natural. Farmers know when is the best time to plant strawberries or corn or whatever it is, because they know the times. They know how to read the seasons and what is the best time to plant what. In the spirit realm, we have seasons or times as well. When we talk about the feasts of the Lord, a lot of people will discount those and say, those are Jewish feasts. I'm not Jewish. It's not for me for today. But what if the natural seasons on earth are pointing to seasons or times and events in the spirit realm that we have to be aware of? Just like the farmer knows what's the best time to do what on the land, we have to know certain times and seasons. We have to know how to read them. 
what about when a baby is born and we look at the life cycle of man? The phases of that growth are so different. We have a baby who in his purest state, in his, in his infant state, is totally, totally reliant on the mother and the father for everything. We have a toddler. Different rules completely. You know, they they finding themselves, they're becoming independent. Yes, they're not that baby infant state anymore. Their sleeping times are slightly different. They're starting to understand what they what they want and they know how to get it. If I throw a tantrum, it's going to get me what I want because my parents want five minutes of peace. Teenage years are totally different again. You know, there's, there's this whole identity crisis as we're figuring out who we are. And then there comes a time, you know, when our parents come to us for advice because us as teenagers know everything. And then we hit the adult stage. We begin to realize that we know nothing, but we're starting on this journey of learning, of discovery, of we figured out who we are by now. We've chosen life partners. It's a whole different set of rules to a teenage year. And then we hit our, our, our golden years, our old age. And we've grown in wisdom. We've grown in stature. We've looked over our lives. We enjoy what's gone on in our lives, um, hopefully. We have no regrets. We've planned. We've planned generationally to leave a legacy to future generations. So you can see even in the growing of a human being, there are different things that we look forward to. There's different things that we experience as we go through those stages. When you read the Bible, do you notice the difference from Moses' day? And the requirements and the protocols that were set up by God to say, for instance, the apostles days and what it was that their message was. And then from the apostles to us right now, you know, it's biblical to offer a sacrifice for the remission of sins in the Old Testament. It's not permissible to do that these days. We've had the one-time lamb, the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth and who was also slain again in a season of Passover. And that blood speaks for all times. We don't now go and sacrifice animals every time we want forgiveness of sins or to follow that certain protocol. So much has changed with the coming of Yeshua. We no longer sit there. If I was to um, take out my knife and kill a ram or a turtle dove or whatever in church, I can guarantee you right now that you're going to call that witchcraft, right? Even though it's a biblical concept, it's because something has happened. Times have changed. There's been that growth spurt. There's been that growing, that, that movement, um, that change. When we are babies, we use different language, ga, 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 or whatever it is, or we just cry or whatever. That's what babies do. When you're a baby Christian, that's exactly what we do. We cry and God answers us. You know, when we're a toddler and we're finding our identity in Christ, he's still there. He's still got to nourish us. He's still got to provide for us. But have you ever used these words, and I certainly have, where you go, I don't know what I've done. God no longer loves me because he doesn't answer my prayers like he used to anymore. I just used to pray for something and God used to do it. I used to lay hands on the sick and bang, God used to come and it was done. It no longer works like that. I think I've done something to offend God. But could it be that you've moved out of the baby stage, the infant stage, and you're moving towards maturity? 
A parent doesn't do everything for his teenager. Um, an adult doesn't have everything done for him. He's now got to go out into the world. He's got to get work. He's got to earn for his family. He's got to grow in maturity. And that's the same thing that we're supposed to do as Christians. You'll notice that there are different ways that the church has looked over time. And if I can just quickly run through a few of these um, these ages, you will see that we are no longer where they were in the church age. And I'll just give you a little bit of a background on this. So we had the Aaronic age to start off with. This is where the people had just come out of Egypt. They camped at the mountain. God's intention was to have one-on-one -on -one relationship with these people. And they were scared. They said to Moses, no, we're too fearful. You go and chat to God. You tell us what he says, and we're just going to do it. So we have a priesthood set up there. The priests minister between God and man. Moses is that mediator between God and man. He's the one that comes back and says, right, God says we're doing this, and that's what they did. Stuff was set in place there. Holy of Holies. This is the protocol for the high priests to enter the Holy of Holies. You can't just come in. you got to prepare for a whole year to come into that place. For one encounter, you prepare a whole year. An institution, law, protocol set up in place. Then we have the church age. So that's just the ironic age in principle. That's where it all got set up. Today, we still have priests, but we're the priests in the order of Melchizedek. It looks different, but there's still that role. We have the church age, and you'll notice the language. In today's church age, if you want to know if we're stuck in the church age, how do we worship? Are we praying, God, come down here? God, would you come into our presence and into our midst, and would you fill us up here? You know, come God, come, we call you, we beseech you, come down. No, that is the language of a baby. That is the language of the church age. It's a religious system. It's this is what's worked in the past. These are the programs. These are the protocols. And again, in the church age, we have one man being the mediator between God and man. And when I talk about that, let me give you some examples. We'll say, Oh, something is going wrong in my marriage. I'm going to phone the pastor. So we do. Pastor, can you please pray for us? And he does. Pastor, I've got a sore thumb. Can you please come and pray for my thumb? And he does. Pastor, I need a prophetic word from the Lord. I really don't know what direction I'm supposed to be going in. And the pastor or the prophet now have to inquire of God on your behalf and give you that prophetic word. Pastor, I need whatever it is. We're always going to one man and he goes and he prays. Our poor pastors are getting worn out. You know, they're supposed to be a thick, juicy grape full of juice. And we like sucking the life out of them because we can't do anything for ourselves. And that juicy grape is becoming a dried up prune, a little raisin, because we're sucking the life out of him. You know, Yeshua has come and he says, this is the new covenant. These are the terms of the new covenant. I'll put my law in their hearts. Every man will know me from the greatest to the least. Why don't you go to God? Why don't you tell him about your sore thumb? Because that's who the pastor is going to anyway. Why don't you just go to the one who gives it all anyway and inquire of him yourself? It's because we're so reliant on someone else to do it for us. If someone comes and shows us a way 
or gives you a strategy that the Lord has given them to deal with, most likely we don't want to deal with it ourselves. We want somebody to do it for us. This is a sign of immaturity because that's what a child does. A child goes to the mother, can you tie my shoelaces? Can you, can you feed me? All this kind of stuff. So we notice which age we're in and actually we've moved on from the church age. We are no longer in this church age. We had the kingdom age. The kingdom age is about the gifts. It's the fivefold ministry. And trust me, I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with the gifts. What I'm saying is it should become your foundation. Something that naturally occurs wherever you go anyway. Why can't you move in all of the gifts? If Yahweh, if he pulls you into an, into an environment and he needs to use you for healing, why can't he? If he takes you into another environment and he wants to release somebody's scroll, a portion of that scroll, why can't he use you as that prophetic voice to do it? Why can't he use you to lead people to Christ? Why does it have to be the evangelist's job to do that? Yes, he's given gifts to all of us, but you look like him. Yeshua did all things for all people. And if you look like him, that should be the same with you. But what we did is we camped at that mountain in the kingdom age and we made it about us. I'm the prophet. If you want to come to, if you want a prophetic word, you come to me. I'm the healer. If you want to get healing, I'm the guy that you come to. And again, we have someone who is a mediator between God and us. If we want something, we go to the man. He asks God, then he gives it to you. We're no longer in that age. And the gifts, by the way, are without repentance. Your gift does not qualify your character. Your gift is actually not something that is going to be used in the realm of the spirit when you move into that realm, when you swap locations. Have you ever seen an evangelist in heaven? Who is he going to evangelize? Has there been a healer or a prophet in heaven? No. Who are they going to give a prophetic word to? Because Yahweh has everything and you're already in that realm. So the gifts are actually for the earth realm and not for the spirit realm. But you are a spirit being. Yeshua has changed our status from servants into sons. And that's exactly who you are. So I'll just read Galatians 4 to you. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. For though he be Lord of all, but he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. This is your new status. Yeshua has come. Jesus has come and has made it possible for your status to change from servant to son. We got to start acting like those sons. You have a spiritual inheritance. You can see God and live. Now, I know that you're going to say to me, but Sam, the word says no man shall see God and live. And that's true. Absolutely. But if the word is our plumb line and the word is a template of what is permissible and what is not, 
There are many places in the word where people have actually seen God face to face and not died. So let me just say this to you. I spoke in the beginning about how there is a spiritual realm and a natural realm. It depends which realm you're calling God into. The church age, I said, uses language like God come down, come down and be with us. If he were to come down, yes, you cannot see him and live. Because the word says, the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Which realm are the hills in? They're here in the natural realm where we live. If we are calling God to come down, come down, yes, we're going to fry. Fry and die. Absolutely. But I think it's Exodus 24 that talks about Moses, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders went up into a mountain. Not up the side of it. The word says, especially in the King James Version, went up into a mountain. How do you go into a mountain? So it obviously can't be a natural mountain. They accessed a different realm, a spiritual mountain. And there it says that they saw God face to face. They ate and they drank with him on that sea of glass. There's your protocol. Depends on which realm you're in, you can see God face to face and you can live. We are sons. This is part of our spiritual inheritance. You can have access to that realm. You can see him. You can engage with the cloud of witnesses. You can engage with the angelic for kingdom purposes. This is all yours today. We are no longer in the church age. Our language has to change. We have to grow up from being those spiritual babies to starting to mature because it's those sons that get the inheritance of God. That's all we have time for today. I look forward to catching up with you next time. Have a blessed day.